Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whatever you should happen to find this. Welcome to the Quote of Arms podcast. I am Coach J. Rowe, the Unsummoned Skull, your host with the most. I'm joined today by... Uh, I am James, but alternatively known as Hero Zero Virus on various parts of the internet. And uh, Zora is usually the shorthand for that that uh, I put on various games. So if you see a Zora, Z-O-H-R-A, floating around on a game, that's probably me. Awesome. Well, wonderful to have you. Uh, <clears throat> so on this podcast, we talk about our favorite creature types, archetypes, and synergies, and uh, what makes them special. And we talk about them together in shared experiences, because uh, just like the card quote of, uh, coat of arms, we make each other stronger together, no matter who happens mm-hmm. to be owning the card. So what is the creature type, archetype, or synergy we're going to be talking about today? Today I am here for oozes to wave their banner high. Nice. Choosing the oozes. <clears throat> so yeah. what are oozes like in magic? So oozes are an interesting breed because a lot of people don't necessarily feel they're that great, but they adhere mostly most of their cards adhere to some of the fundamental Magic the Gathering staples. Um, they like to make tokens. They like to make counters. And as long as you're doing that, they're happy. Okay. So, and there have been a number of them printed with zero power, zero toughness, uh, especially with, with the ones that, yes. that work with the counters. Uh, and some of them just like, make copies of themselves, um, like kind of like what you would expect with say, a gelatinous cube, which is now a card, uh, but in, um, and so, like you'd expect in a gelatinous cube in, mm-hmm. say, D&D, where if you attack it with something sharp and pointy, it'll just split into more and into more and into more and go out of hand. Yes, uh, a very prime example of <clears> that, uh, and honestly, one of the first ones that made me even consider this is splitting slime. Um... That baby that has monstrosity three, and when it becomes monstrous, put a token that's a copy of it, but it's not monstrous. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you just continuously one, pay into it and one, yeah. generate more of it. Mm-hmm. Good outlet for infinite mana. Yes, um, which uh, I'm sure we'll get onto, but uh, is present in my current deck. Yeah, and there are a number of interesting ways that the copy ones can go. I remember um, it was Rachel Weeks on the ch- on the channel. One of her uh, first times using uh, Eve was on there. Uh, yeah. Genitors. <clears throat> that was nasty. That was uh, Elf Storm. Yes. Um. Ave is definitely one of those ones that I contended with a lot in this uh, particular deck list um, because there is an infinite storm, infinite mana combo in here, and it exists almost exclusively to either generate enough mana to keep dumping out tokens or to just make as many copies of Eve as you want. Mm-hmm. 
So Eve has um, Storm, uh, which means that you, you get a copy of it for each uh, card cast before it. It's one of the few creatures with Storm. <clears throat> Usually yes. it's on instance of sorceries. And then I believe each copy gets boosted for each other one that's out there. Uh, it enters the Each Eve enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each other ooze you control. So unfortunately they don't see themselves. Right. Um, but if you can bounce a copy, or if you can bounce the, the main Eve, then you can kind of keep stacking it up that way. I'm always down for bouncing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm known for. <laughs> yeah, um, and there, there are a few like that, and, uh, one of the... One of the ones that I've been really chomping at the bit for a new card that is going to be seeing the light of day soon. Um, there's a zero zero that enters the battlefield with five plus one plus one counters on it. Um, try to bring that up real quick. Um, uh, slurk all ingesting. It's a zero zero that enters. I mean, that's just text. Enters with five plus one plus one counters on it. Um, well, we should be seeing in the near future saw in half. Yep. Which is one that I just the second I saw that I was going to take Slurk out of the deck uh, potentially. That was on the chopping block, uh, pun intended. And saw in half was spoiled, and I just nope, nope. Slurk staying in. Because then it, you just create two copies of it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't. It can't half zero. Mm -hmm. um, so it, they just enter, the tokens just enter, and they both get plus five, plus five. But uh, because of its other text for Slurk, which is whenever Slurk or another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one, plus one counter on it, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control that has a plus one plus one counter on it. So by sawing slurk in half, you're just distributing the wealth and then creating two more slurks. Mm-hmm. It seems like and, a pretty strong interaction. And uh, generally speaking, that's kind of what... Uh, what oozes kind of like to do is they like to goof around with dying and coming back or dying and not dying as they should um really weird i mean not like strange like something you don't typically see in magic but weird as far as that's kind of their focus especially with the vast majority of them being salt high in color so, yeah, you mentioned that they're mostly sultine color, which means that uh, they're blue, green, or black, uh, especially things like necrotic ooze is one of the more famous black oozes. Um, yep. <clears throat> otherwise, primarily in blue and green. Uh, I like that you mentioned Slogurk because that does have partner, uh -huh. uh, which allows you to go into a number of different uh, color combinations. Um, 
yeah, he, uh, uh, Slogurk does not have partner. Slurk. Yeah, there he is. Slurk does, yes. There we go. Sorry. Uh, yeah, they had to name him really closely. Thank you, uh, for that. Yeah, that's something that's been happening a lot. Um, what was it? Lathril and Cathril? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Slurk um has partner and it is a mono green. Up, oh, it's. I've always been very weary, specifically of putting Slurk as a, a commander. I, I like the fact that it has on dies triggers, which now actually affects commanders. Um, well, it affects them better than it had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also a six drop. And generating it back over and over and over again, it that can be painful. Yeah, it depends on which colors you're in. If you wanted to stay in, say, mono green, you do have Galandra, which draws you a card whenever you cast it and ramps you up to it. Um, yeah. That's not necessarily great because it doesn't help your colors. But there are a number of defensive uh, commanders that can help you get there, depending on what color combination yeah. you want to go into. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're sticking one of those, it's mostly so high. You you, you mm-hmm. have a bit of red, but you're not going to get anything uh, more out of your reds than you are the other three. Definitely. I believe there's a total of, well, technically I believe seven. Uh, six, technically, because Hanweir, the Rising Township, being an ooze, uh, but it is a uh, melded card that one side of it is red. It's a land uh, The Hanweir Garrison. <laughs> yeah. The, the Henweir Garrison being red really, uh, well, and, and the Battlements, the Henweir Battlements being, uh, having the red pits mean, uh, you're going to get away with six red, but other than that, it's all blue, green, and black. It'd be interesting maybe later on to think about what would they look like in other colors, but yeah, it, it, it's mostly those, uh, so it's mostly those, they're either... <laughs> self-serving, curious, or just natural. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how they are just kind of fixated on that uh, on those colors. Yeah. So, within those colors, what are some of the commanders and strategies that they use? Um, if you are looking for Ooz Tribal specifically, you're Mostly locked into uh, your Mimeoplasm, um, which is just a fantastic card and represents so well um, kind of somewhat of the overarching theme with a lot of oozes. Uh, it's a zero zero for two and one each of Saltai, 
And as it enters the battlefield, you may exile two creature cards from any graveyards. If you do, it enters the battlefield as a copy of one of them with a number of additional plus one, plus one counters equal to the power of the other card. Um, he is, well, it, excuse me, um, is very much an ooze champion. Uh, a lot of ooze effects are um, static effects that have really nice abilities that Mimeoplasm coming in can copy if somebody wiped your board or what have you, and you just have it continuing on. Um, and also, uh, Creature Theft is a little side theme that oozes like to see. Um, but honestly, I don't know if I've played with too many other potential commanders for oozes. So it's cool how um, Nemeoplasm really represents what the oozes do, because it is amorphous. It, it doesn't have a yeah. set shape of its own. It just molds into whatever it happens to absorb and it absorbs things out of graves. So because it looks like some it looks like one thing, it has the power of something else, which I mean can be good, can be bad, but it's also interesting that it's kind of graveyard hate too. Yes. And that is something you see in other uh non legendary oozes as well show up occasionally is um some graveyard hate. It's interesting that they're able to do those things. Now, <clears throat> you mentioned that oozes like to split themselves. You mentioned that oozes like to uh, focus on counters and on uh, <clears throat> sorry, on counters and on tokens and clones of themselves and such. But so the mimeoplasm requires something else of your early turns. So let's say the Mimeoplasm comes out on turn 5. What would you have to have done in the early turns to get any value out of it? Uh, you have to make sure that some that a, a decent amount of things have died. Um, or uh, otherwise ended up in the graveyard. Um, for me in particular, uh, that looks like Mill. Mm -hmm. um, as we discussed earlier and if anyone has seen my interactions on the internet uh, with a lot of this stuff uh, specifically on Twitter I have a copy of Altar of Brood in my deck if you're generating lots of tokens this one drop artifact says whenever another permanent enters the battlefield under your control each opponent puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So that's lands, that's tokens, that's, you know, your creatures, artifacts, all of that. So it's, again, it's a one drop. So if you have it in your hand and you've got the land to support it, you can start from turn one just populating the graveyards to take your pick. So, 
on the one hand, it's awesome that you're able to stock things up for the mimeoplasm. The other hand, though, there can be some some downsides to a game plan like that. Yes. What usually happens when people realize that you're trying to mill them? Uh, the same thing that always happens, and I get a big target painted on my chest, my back, and my forehead simultaneously. Um, then that's part of the problem of being known specifically in your playgroup for a card like Altar of the Brood. Um, they see that coming turn one, and they say, no. No, sir. We know there's either a wall of elves or a wall of oozes coming at us, and we do not appreciate your candor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, people tend not to like being milled, which is where sometimes there are more subtle ways to do it, but definitely uh, that is one of the cons that comes with playing a commander that requires things in the graveyard. So an interesting thing that um, has actually come out rather recently with uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms uh, is Gelatinous Cube. Um, That, I had a huge smile on my face when Gelatinous Cube was announced. Um, Yes, it's a bit expensive being two and two black, uh, but it's still cheaper than Mimeoplasm. And it's a 4-3, but when it enters the battlefield, you can exile a non-ooze creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. But its second ability is X and 1 black to put target creature card with mana value X exiled with gelatinous cube into its owner's graveyard. And so kind of the nice thing about that is, okay, so you're pulling things... You're, you're trying to mill people, you know, you're not, you don't know what you're going to pull and what you're going to pitch. But with Gelatinous Cube, because it is slightly cheaper than Mimeoplasm, you have the ability to do pointed removal and take what it is you want to feed your Mimeoplasm. Interesting. It's a little bit like Hostage Taker. Um, so Hostage Taker, the pirate that uh, exiles their creature and then you can cast it later. It kind of kind of has the same feeling. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I mean, in some ways, even almost better. Well, it, with <laughs> with less steps, better for Mimeoplasm, just because you're not just copying it or casting it. You're getting a two for one out of it. Chances are, by oh, you copied something that was a 1-1 but had huge ETB. Well, now it's potentially a 5-5 with a huge ETB. Mm-hmm. One of the neat things about the Mimeoplasm, interesting because it happens to cost so much, is that, well, yes, you can mill them, sometimes just things happen to die. Yes. And... It's a neat thing about the Mimeoplasm happening to cost as much as it does. It gets better as the game goes on. You only want... Yeah. To, you're perfectly fine with paying higher or paying higher for it. It's not one that necessarily has to come out on turn 5 for your deck to be impactful. I uh, um, specifically had a game a while back where 
I had the mana to pay for Mimeoplasm for at least two or three turns, but didn't because one of my opponents had a creature that was a 10-10 on board that was just sitting there, not really doing a whole lot. And so I just waited until everybody got into a little bit of a brawl with one another and somebody killed that creature. Mm -hmm. And... I was just like, great, now it's my turn. <laughs> yep. And I I did have a Slurk in my graveyard at that time. And so Mimeoplasm didn't come in as a 10-10, it came in as a 15-15. Mm -hmm. well, I like that. I also like that, so with the Mimeoplasm, it's never going to be the same thing twice. Yes. So every game winds up, even if the the like the win cons and such are similar, every game is going to be unique because you never know what anybody else is going to play, or what it's going to become. Uh -huh. So the yes, deck has a lot of similar to it. Um, similar like that. Uh, cards like Cyto Shape, um, which while not inherently an ooze or making ooze tokens or anything. Um, is an instant that you choose a non-legendary creature in play and target creature becomes a copy of that creature until the end of turn. Mm -hmm. um, so effects like that, stealing other people's creatures or creating copies of them. Uh, you know, I also have a second harvest in here, so I can just make mass copies of somebody's creature I have that um, in my uh, Biovisionary deck, and there's actually a time. Uh, so my commander for for bio, for the Biovisionary is Grolock, uh, which is okay, altered yeah. to be polyto a polytoad that's like happy and dancing. So mm -hmm. it's polytoad's uh, polytoad's birthday party. Uh, nice. Where he's trying he's trying to assemble all the party guests. And so there's a time when I turned Grolock into a Biovisionary. Awesome. He could be his own party guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that's kind of the thing. And also fitting in with the Mimeoplasm is, is not just it that can have these effects on its own. Um, doing things like Cyto Shape, uh, but also um, a lovely little ooze who fits into that similar theme. Uh, is Experiment Cradge, mm -hmm. who is just, I mean, for two, two green and two blue, mm -hmm. but it's a 4-6 that has all activated abilities of each creature, each other creature, excuse me, with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if other, if other players are running plus one, plus one counters... Um, if you have the ability to put plus one, plus one counters on other any creature you want, um, Experiment Crash can just become copies of all of them. And my buddy uh, Paul Kinter ran a, uh, <clears throat> a guild leader uh, thing where players that were kind of well-established or good, uh, like powerful players would take on a, a guild and create a, a deck of that of a guild, and I was the Simic guild leader, and my deck was uh, Experiment Kraj Pingers. 
Nice. So crash yeah. put a puzzle and puzzle encounter on like prodigal sorcerer, and now they both have to deal with damage. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's that's one of the neat things about it, and one of the things that does keep this deck um, a little loosey goosey and unique every game, um, because you have several things that you just never know what they're going to be at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the only completely non ooze that is in this deck creature wise um is I have a copy of Volrath, the Shig Stealer. Yep. Um he has been I, I have been side eyeing him for a long time because it's not like me to put a non tribal card, creature card, into a tribal deck. Mm-hmm. But he escapes because his creature type is shapeshifter. Yeah. And he can become an ooze <laughs> if I so choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the other clans, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the only one that's slightly, uh, <laughs> that is in the similar camp is, uh, there's all a me- metallic mimic in the deck, um, mm-hmm. which typically does enter as an ooze when I'm playing it, but oh, yeah. uh, is not inherently one to begin with, so. But it does add counters, which aids some of those strategies, and also does some cool shenanigans with um, Experiment Crotch. Uh, and if you wind yes. up having Volrath with a counter on it, then you wind up, or then now you have, it's activated, so its ability to, trans, to, to transform into something is an activated ability, I believe it yep. retains that ability after it transforms. So yep, it sure does. I believe, so Experiment Crowd would get the same ability. Yes, there's a lot of um, interesting synergy with those cards. Uh, well, not just those, but like a lot of the uh, oozes in particular that they get some weird carryovers sometimes that you can kind of just slowly spread similar uh, abilities across the entirety of the 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 map. Um, for example, continuing on with that thought with Experiment Crouch and Volrath, um, going back to Splitting Slime, uh, the Monstrosity 3 is also an activated ability. Um, so if you've created a copy of Splitting Slime, you can kind of, in some instances that you can work around with, start stacking other abilities on these tokens. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of Experiment Crodge being monstrified. Yes. That's scary for Ravnica. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that's, uh, they like to copy, they like to grow, they like to split. It's fun time had for most of them, at least. Yeah. So, <clears throat> we've gotten into some of, the, uh, some of the members, some of the strategies and commanders. What is it about uh, Usus that, um, that means something to you? I started the game 
playing Magic the Gathering in Legions with the Elvish Rage deck. The, the pre-constructed Elvish Rage deck. Uh, and the second I played that deck for the first time, all my mind could wrap around was, why are there beast creatures in this deck? Why didn't you just put more elves in it? Um, I didn't realize that that was going to be a painful question that would plague the rest of my life, but here I am. Um, and so most of my Magic the Gathering career has been around building variants of Elf decks. When I started building the Oozes, it was something new I wanted to try, um, building horror-themed decks. Um, I had a reaper king that i had come across and so i started building scarecrows and i thought you know we'll do we'll do scarecrows we'll do well what's next well we were in the kick of watching some movies and we were talking about uh john carpenter's the thing and i thought i think i could do that in a magic deck um, just copy, clone, grow, split, you know, make something like that. And the more I got into it, the more I saw the heart of Magic the Gathering in the deck. Um, you know, certain things like plus one, plus one counters and creating tokens have been such an intrinsic part of the game for so long that it almost doesn't feel like oozes have strong representation as a tribe mm -hmm. but in many ways the game itself represents oozes as a tribe it likes what oozes do and they're always going to release things that for sets that give you more plus one plus one counters double the amount of counters uh you know, have uh, tokens that enter as copies of other tokens. Lots of things come out in every set that just... Oh, um, I've been looking for something to make this ooze deck a little focused on this a little bit more. And it makes it so... Not only does every game look different with all the copying, but everybody's version of the oozes have the core skeleton, if you will, mm -hmm. of things like mimeoplasm and certain oozes. But as far as the different spells you put in, they all look a little different because everybody wants to do... Some people want to focus on graveyard hate. Some people want to focus on um, amassing tons of tokens. Some people just want to fuse all of the oozes together into one giant ooze and uh, swing out for an extreme amount of damage. Um, and so it, it's, it's an interesting tribe that looks very similar until you look closer and you realize this isn't the same oozes I fought yesterday. Mm -hmm. But yet again, the entirety of Magic the Gathering as a game looks at these creatures and goes, yeah, yeah, we're going to make these work. And I think that's, it, it's unique. Um, you know, that it's almost like they're just adequately represented in the game. And I think that's a unique thing for a tribe 
is to have just enough representation. Yeah, it's interesting. They just said, in, I just recorded an episode recently with MJ, uh, Magic in Quarantine, about underrepresented tribes and sort of making the uh, the deck around them. Like sirens yeah. with forced combats and such. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, there, so there's one angle of taking underdeveloped tribes and sort of creating an identity for them. Which actually goes all the way back to the first episode of the podcast, which was about dogs. Yep. Trying to make a, uh, trying to make uh, a dog tribal <laughs> tech and figure out, okay, what is it that dogs yeah. do, and how do I make that something magical? But, uh, so, it's interesting to see kind of that sweet spot of, they have an identity, but it's still one that you can impact or shift, and they have a couple of yeah. different ones that have significant enough support that they still feel like an ooze deck and not a clone deck or a plus one plus one counter deck. Yeah, that was one of the big things that um, I, in talking with somebody about not oozes being underrepresented. Um, was they pointed out that there wasn't ooze lords, mm-hmm. and I had to immediately correct them because bio waste blob is an ooze lord, and not only that, but as long as you have your com- you control of your commander during your upkeep, you create a copy of it, so you don't have just one ooze lord. You can continuously get ooze lords over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Which is also another one that would be, uh, looking at again, uh, very good for Saw in Half. Oh, yeah. Uh, as it is also a zero zero, and by sawing in half, you're just making everybody a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. But, so it's nice funny, because people don't for, uh, look that? at the tribe as a whole to see that, no, there are mm-hmm. Oozlords. There's mm-hmm. an Oozlord that makes more Oozlords. Um, there are lots of oozes that just really only benefit other oozes. I think um, when people are saying like supported or under-supported, usually under-supported has to do with not having the name of the tribe printed in rules text, I think. So no, like, direct references to other members of the tribe, basically. Yeah. And and, and I think that is where, you know, you get things like Bio-Waste Blob, who is, like, the holdout, um, where it's oozes you control. You know, it's not helping out your elves. It's not helping out anybody else's creatures. It's... Mm -hmm. It's just helping out your oozes. Yeah, things that reward you for specifically playing members of that tribe. Usually yeah. have, have to do with whether or not the tribe is considered supported. Yeah. So, for example, I have my homunculus tribal deck. There's mm. nothing in there. Oh, there, there. I think there's a card that says sacrifice a homunculus. I don't recall if it specifically mentions homunculi, but... Suffice yeah. it to say, that's a deck where I had to create the flavor for it. It is a fun deck. 
Sure, yeah. Homunculus travel with uh, the, the central guiding theme being um, being transmutation. So whenever okay. they print the new yeah. blue cards that say, uh, like, target creature becomes until end of turn. Mm-hmm. Your pongifies and stuff. Kind of. I think pongify destroys and then makes an ape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yep. But, yeah, this is uh, more like, I'm going to make it a 4-4 angel until end of turn. <laughs> and then I use um, the mass, uh, so mass versions of that same thing to make everything into 4-4 angels. <laughs> and things like that. <clears throat> so I just keep transmuting my little homunculi into, in, like, crazy monstrosity stuff. Yeah. But that's one where I had to make the flavor of it because there was no flavor sure. for homunculi. Yeah. I just kind of went Which after full metal stuff. It's also kind of fitting for them in general. The, the purpose of a homunculi, they're, you have to make them into what they need to be. Yeah. Basically, it's a lab experiment. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhat like oozes. Well, at least yeah. most Ravnican oozes. I mean, Experiment Crodge, Experiment uh, 1, right? Yep. Um, and uh, a lot of, well, I mean, Prime Speaker Vanifar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't just start off life as an elf ooze wizard, I'm pretty sure. Uh, there has to be a little bit of tinkering around to get there. Yeah, if you're going to go without black, though, that is another solid ooze that helps you find yes. all the members of the tribe. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, it's, and, and especially in a deck where you're generating a fair amount of tokens, um, to sacrifice a token, search your library, for, well, sacrifice a creature, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost, put it on the battlefield, shuffle your library. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... You know, if you throw out a token and bump it off to that, and now you're bringing out, you know, a corrosive ooze, or, um, you know, you can bring out the metallic mimic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, when, uh, so when you have creatures that, say, make a copy of this card, they usually retain the mana value. Yes, yes, that as well, and that's... Uh, a really big deal because splitting slime is three and two green. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I mean, to be able to just chuck out uh, one of your copies of splitting slime and now be able to fish something that's six CMC out, uh, that's not a small feat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for those who want to focus on the splitting aspect of them. That is a way to go a little bit farther down that direction and also to make sure that you're seeing the cards you need to or want to see every game. Having yeah. a birthing pod variant in the command zone is pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, you know, Vanifar can pull out a Slurk or a Kraj, uh, for example, with that splitting slime token. Um, so that's, I mean, those are some pretty heavy hitters that we've talked about that 
to just be able to go grab whenever you need and start mm-hmm. setting a, a wheel into play. Yep. So th- that is a cool thing if you want to cut black, but even if you're staying within the mimeoplasm, or, yeah, um, it can always eat Vanifar out of the grave, just gaining that uh, ability and be yeah. a lot bigger than Vanifar was, which is nice, uh, which helps it dodge some some different types of removal. Um, you yes. can also, if you put a plus one plus one counter on Vanifar, you can have Krodge become a copy of it. Yes, or um, also, uh, likewise, Balrath and Krodge, um, with Balrath being a 7-5, being a prime speaker Balrath, that would also be a 7-5. Uh, also makes it out of that threat range for a lot of things. Look, there's a variety of different ways to build them. Um, <clears throat> there's ways to reduce the amount of variance, even though there's a lot of variance within the creature within the the tribe. There's ways to reduce the amount of variance within the deck, and find the specific pieces that you need. But yeah, I, I love how. Every game is special. Yeah. And that's something that very few decks can really say. Because a lot of them have their linear game plan. But this is one where you really don't know what Nemeoplasm is going to be. Yeah, and one of the interesting things about that too that I find is uh, for this tribe, compared to other tribes, are a lot of other tribes... Um, well, the larger card count tribes, they've got representation from all different planes. Mm -hmm. And so when you have variety, it's because an elf looks different on uh, Lorwyn than it does on Zendikar. Mm -hmm. But the thing about slimes and oozes are they come from essentially one of three planes that we know of, there isn't a lot of variance in their points of origin. You have, uh, what, you have Zendikar, you have... Uh, Alara. What, what was that when you said? I think Alara. Uh, yep, there's some Alara and slimes. Um, Forgotten realms. There's... Uh, so yeah, those. Alara, Ravnica, Innistrad. That was the one I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, Forgotten Realms. Yep, and then Forgotten Realms. And that is that is the vast majority of them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the other ones are from like ancillary sets like Commander, where their origins are unknown. Ave, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but so for them to be from just a few places but have such varying abilities ultimately at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, it really is just a, a, a unique they, they are unique in it of themselves absolutely uh, so they are unique the games are unique um, <clears throat> and it really um, it makes it so that you want to play it again and again and again yeah Whereas, uh, I mean, I think about it as, as a brewer, I have like 50-something decks on my, decks on my deck. 
but quite a mm-hmm. lot of them are just linear, straightforward, and then I play them a couple of times yeah. and get bored of them. But yeah, I, I have uh, a mono green. Now, you want to talk about getting in a tribal, elf druid. Mm-hmm. Not elf or druid. Every creature is elf and druid. Yep. And there's only one way that deck really plays out. You might snake by on um, like a Helix Pinnacle or um, an Epic Struggle win mm-hmm. if you have the slide it in. But like most of the time, you're either going to overwhelm forces or. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're just relying on bodies every time. And there are a few strategies, few and far between strategies that are going to really uh, differ how that deck plays out. Yeah, I, I remember... Uh, so I, I, I used to write an article series that uh, <clears throat> was building $50 decks. Okay. Uh, so that was the challenge every week. And one of the things that... Uh, so I had another person who wrote a semi-competing um, uh, <clears throat> column where you try to do about the same thing and then we would pit our decks against each other. Okay. Uh, and uh, so we did a challenge of who could come up with the best, uh, what was it, the five-color shapeshifter changeling guy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we tried to figure out who could come up with the best one of those, and I made a five-color druid deck. <laughs> Just because I, I wanted oh. to see if I could ramp into that guy as quickly as possible. Yeah. And really the only win con in the deck was, uh, I mean, there were a couple of other things it could do, but primarily it was uh, Elvish Harbinger for Mirror Entity. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, I, I have won games against uh, significantly more expensive decks that way. <clears throat> Yeah, but that's the way you're going to do it. That is the way you're going to do it. It's able to threaten lethal really, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another deck where if that thing is gone, basically it's that uh, Guilty Farch Druid, I think, which can take everybody's lands, or that's it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And, And that was when I was talking about my Elf Druid deck. Guiltleaf Arch Druid is the one that I know once I've hit that, like, it's it's as good as game. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have those two and Kamal. The green Kamal, okay, yeah. which I can just put a bunch of mana into that and overrun. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. That deck was, uh, it was fun. Uh, it was funky, but I'm not going to play it again. <laughs> Yeah, but when they only do one thing, you, you know, you play a few times, take a break from it, and bring it out for rare occasions, if at all. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of decks that go that way for me, which is <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm in that um, that chaos building fix. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to yeah, be nutty. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, it has been awesome having you on. Uh, Where can the people find you? 
Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, um, I'm on Twitter as Hero Zero Virus uh, underscores under between the words. Uh, my current screen name is Seeker Adept for the cure for my itch tech. Um, I, I tend to run my uh, Twitter names concurrent with decks I'm building. Nice. So that is a Saltai deck I'm building that's Tribal Golem uh, with uh, Itch Tekik and the Seeker Ad- Silas Run Seeker Adept as the commanders. Um, and yeah, uh, commonly I'm on Discord. Uh, my default name is Zalane, um, an old D&D character of mine. Uh, and Zora around the rest of the world on online games and such. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's been wonderful to have you on, and I hope you have a great day. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was great to talk about what some people assume is underrated. Absolutely. (laughs) It's been an honor.